So it's the person that does walk through the door because they're, they're aware somehow that you might have an offering. Right. You know, so they immediately get into the top of the sales funnel. And what you hope is that they drop out of the bottom where that exchange of currency for product or service happens, right? Right. So size of that sales funnel is dependent upon whether you have a complex process or not. Right. And so what kind of metrics are you establishing to look at? How many leads or opportunities go into the top of your funnel and how, how many actually drop out as sales? Right. So I just put it simply as this, know your numbers. Know your numbers. If you're in a, the business with a commodity product, your, your percentage is going to be lower than an area where you're in a niche you know, where people don't have a lot of choices right. it's kind of like to back, go to, right? You're going to have a much the higher percentage. Versus, you know, being unique conversation, right? But knowing your numbers too, teaching the culture in your business, that sales process of, hey, with our industry, with an effective sales process out of 10 prospects, here's here's the results we can expect, historically speaking. Because there's there's data tracking, there's things like that, mm -hmm. and you, you know have what the industry standards are. Hello, and welcome to the Generate Your Value podcast. I'm your co-host Andy McDowell, founder and owner of Generate Your Value, providing life, leadership, and small business coaching services in the Atlanta area. And I'm Zach Levy, your other co-host. I run a nationwide financial service business with my wife, Megan. Together, Zach and I have the intention to bring you tips, concepts, ideas, suggestions, stories, and analogies from A to Z, which will help you to grow your personal brand and small business in such a way that joy, happiness, and success as you define it for yourself are achieved. We hope to use our gifts, talents, and experiences in business to generate value in your life and with that being said, let's move to our topic for today. Hello, hello, and thank you for joining us today for today's episode of the Generate Your Value podcast. I'm your co-host, Zach Levy, and of course with me today is your other co-host, Andy McDowell. Always great to see you. Always great to see you. So we appreciate you taking your time out to join us today. Time, as always, is your most valuable asset that is not renewable. So spending time with us to, to better yourself, to get some more knowledge, hopefully we can generate that for you. And uh, today's episode, we're actually going to be talking about a very important and impactful topic in business, which is sales and how to be an effective salesperson or train effective salespeople. Yeah, so we have a, an episode last season where we talked about, and uh, we used the football analogy, we talked about the role of sales within a business. But today right. we're going to sort of deep dive into sales a little bit, not necessarily talk about its role within the bigger company, but get into the specifics of sales. Why, why does sales exist and what does a sales process look like and those kinds of things? Right. So how do you want to start it off? Where where do you want to begin? So, I mean, first off, I mean, 
if you're a business owner, you have a product or a service, you understand the importance of having an effective sales process, effective salespeople, right? Mm -hmm. That run that process. It's just like the football analogy. You got to have an effective running back to hand the ball off to, to run the play. Right. Right. Now, I think where we see a lot of, a lot of people struggling in this area is they don't have a delineated sales process. They don't have a system, right? We're talking about systems of systems. Mm -hmm. They don't have a sales system to bring salespeople into that they can grow with, that they can implement. Yeah. So from my viewpoint, you sort of have to start off to understand whether you have a complex or a non-complex sales process, right? right? So if you have a brick and mortar store with a bunch of product, you know, grocery store, your sales process is just, you know, do I have enough offerings? Do I have enough shelves? Do I have enough offerings? I'm putting product on the shelves and I have to make sure I have a cash register system to trade the value, to right. get the currency for the product. Be there, have the product, be able to service. That's the sales process. It's fairly non-complex. Right. You know, you have a lot of logistical things to deal with, but it's fairly non-complex. The actual customer-facing side of the sales process mm -hmm. is... But if you're, if you're like in a business-to-business -business market and you have a, a highly engineered, highly complex product that's going or being sold to a company that's going to use it in their own complex product or whatever, you might have right. a very lengthy, complex sales process. Or if you're doing custom work, mm -hmm. where you actually doing the design of the product is built into the sales process, right? very complex, you're going to have a lot of multiple steps before you get to that point where you deliver it to the customer and exchange the currency for it. Right. And so... I mean, you take that and with the sales process and, you know, figuring out, is there a need for a highly trained sales professional? And I do mm -hmm. say sales professional, not salesperson, right? We'll get to that in a second while I mm -hmm. use that verbiage, but, or is it just somebody that can say, Hey, can I help you find anything? Right. Right. To, to use that kind of example there, the grocery store, you've got clerks, you got stockers, you got people walk on the floor. Hey, can mm -hmm. I help you find anything? Oh, that's on mm -hmm. aisle six. Boom, right. They go find it. Right. right. It's really just a needs base. Somebody comes in, they need it, they buy it, they leave. But a lot of the sales process, if you will, is the product itself that's right. on the shelf. The product has sold itself. You're facilitating it. Right. Essentially. You're just making it available. Whereas let's take an example of a B2B. Let's take technology sales or IT sales. Right. Mm -hmm. I've got some friends in that field that do, you know, it's six, nine month sales cycles or commercial real estate. We have some mutual friends in that field that they're saying, especially the bigger deals, it's a, it's a long, arduous process to get that, to get to the transaction. Yes. So in that, you know, the, the person who's facilitating that has to be a sales professional. They have to understand the industry they're in very well. They have to understand uh, the product and the capabilities of their company very well. They have to be comfortable in telling the customer that's an answer. That's a question I don't have an answer for, but I will get it for you. Right. In a timely manner. And they really have to know how, beyond that because, you know, you meet up socially speaking, 
like talking about EQ, right? And if you don't know EQ, just emotional intelligence. So emotional intelligence, empathy, things like that. Mm -hmm. I've met a lot of really educated, dumb people when it comes to their EQ, right? They know the industry inside and out. They can tell you everything about everything, how it works down to the, you know, finest details. But if they can't effectively relay the information to a client, potential client, and connect with them, I think that's the biggest thing. So what if they know the information? Right? So that's the importance of the sales process and having effective salespeople knowing where you need to be. But a point I always talk about here because you meet a lot of people, Andy, I don't know if you've come across this, but that, oh, I don't want to be in sales. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, have the, you have those people in the world that they live for their hobbies and they're just right. out there looking for a job for a paycheck. Right. They put the roof over their head, food on the table, and support my hobby. Right. Right. So for some reason, they decide to pick sales. Right. Everybody needs salespeople. So there's plentiful jobs around. Well, and you meet people who they they want, you know, because honestly, a good salesperson can really control their income more than an hourly employee, right? Somebody that's commission-based, things like that. They can up their skills. They can get better. They can do better. Mm, there's some incentive. Right. But you get people, I don't want to be in sales. And one of the things I found is that most people that say, I don't want to be a salesperson have had a bad sales experience in some way or fashion before. When they think of mm -hmm. a salesperson, they think of that really, really pushy guy at the car lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And I put it this way, it's because they've never met a profession, a sales professional. They've met a person that's trying to make money by selling something. Well, a sales event or a sales process is sort of a, for lack of a better term, a miniature relationship. Right. A very short relationship, right? You, typically, or in some situations, it's a person-to-person event, right? That's becoming less and less in this world as IT has grown and becomes more person to computer right. kind of relationship. But we're still still around where you're dealing with another human being right. in an interaction with another human being through the sales process. And so the whole human being dynamic gets, <laughs> gets thrown into the equation. Right. So... I mean, to your point, a effective salesperson can't be focused on, if you will, just selling the product. Get, they've got to be focused on the person they're selling the product to or the service to. Yeah, and as we were talking before we started recording, from my standpoint, it's you're not being a life coach to the person, but you're sort of being like a decision coach or a decision partner, right? Right. Right. So somebody walks in the store or you have a meeting and so forth. It's do they take the time first to make sure that you're making a good decision? Do you really need this product or service? Right. Or tell tell me more about why why you're here today. What 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 brought you into the store? What brought right. you into the office? Because you still have the ability, even if you don't make a sale with, with the person. And I get into this a little bit with my clients about the eighty twenty rule about what's a good customer, what's not. Are you as a salesperson just taking time, 
you don't have the dollar bill signs rolling around in your eyes as soon as they walk in. It's like, okay, somebody's walked into my store or office. Why are they here? Being a little bit curious. Right. And then asking the right questions to establish, why are they there? Do you have a problem? Or you're trying to figure out whether you, you do have a problem. Right. I'm not quite sure if I have a problem or not. Can you help me out? Can you help me figure that well, out before we start even getting into what product or services you have? I'm not sure if I have a problem. Because in the same aspect, you know, in both of our fields, Andy, we're both the type of coach, right? Mm -hmm. And so, I, I mean, literally, when I sit down with a client, it's asking them, okay, what, what's important for you to get accomplished today? Why are mm -hmm. you here? Because, mm -hmm. you know, if, if I'm going, okay, I've got to get them this product or I've got to get them this. Or, you know, let's, let's use an example of a car salesman on a new car lot. Uh, I was just going there in my head, <laughs> right? but, but go ahead. So great minds think alike, you know that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but if a mom of seven kids walks in, right, and they've just had another kid and they need a larger minivan, right? Or maybe at this point they need a sprinter. I don't know, mm -hmm. right? But the sales guy is sitting there foaming at the mouth thinking about how much commission can I make off of each person mm -hmm. versus how can I better serve each individual. You start trying, they start trying to upsell right off the bat or they're, you know, well, here's our newest sports car. Right. That's an extreme example. Right. But they're trying to sell the highest ticket item instead of what this customer actually needs. Yeah. That's one avenue. It, you know, a lot of it depends on the culture of the company. Right. <clears throat> if they're trying to meet, meet quota or sales goals. Right. In, instead of the customer coming in and you're trying to ask questions to understand where they are in the decision process for an item that's a, that's a big ticket item for a family, are you going to turn them off because your, your culture of your company is? Sales, 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 sales. I need, we need numbers for the month. Right. And so all of a sudden you get into that pushy mode and you really, you know, they want to leave because they're in the beginning of the process and they, they've got four or five vehicles in mind. They want to go test drive and you're the first stop. But your culture's like, I can't let them leave without making a sale. They leave a bad taste in their mouth. Right. And right. They may not even come back. They're guaranteed, at that point, I'd say they're almost guaranteed not to come back. Right. And again, it's a, it's about serving the need of the client, whether it's B2C or B2B. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, I'd like to kind of transition to talking about what a professional salesperson really looks like versus somebody that happens to be in sales. Okay. Right. So we talked about the car salesman that's, you know, and if you, we've all, I think we've all been to a car lot at some point, there's the sales guys waiting out front for a car to pull up and mm -hmm. then they bum rush them. Mm-hmm you know, who can get to them first and how can, you know. Yeah. You only have one foot out the door and you're already in your face. Right. Welcoming you to the dealership and whatnot. So that's what people hate shopping for cars, mm -hmm. right? Is again, the culture, but that's why most people, that's what most people think of that aren't sales professionals. Think of sales. Is that right there? The, the in your face, Hey, here's a great product for you before I even analyze what, what your needs are. Mm -hmm. Right. But, a, a, you know, a sales professional, and this is where your sales process has, and your culture has to reward and foster that type of environment 
is having professional salespeople that make the make the entire transaction 100% about the customer. Mm-hmm. Number one, we always talk about starting with why, right? Is figuring out their why, what motivates them, why are they there, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're B2C in, you know, let's say IT sales, like we were talking about, or B2B, sorry, mm-hmm. and you're in IT sales, what is that company's needs for efficiency, for data tracking, whatever it may be, what kind of IT you're doing first and letting them talk about their problems, right? Asking leading questions to figure out, okay, what do I have that can fill in those needs? Listening to understand, not to respond. Right. So, and like you said, it's being more of a decision coach than forcing a decision on them, right? Well, you Um, want a positive outcome for the customer and it could be, you know, and this is what I talk a lot about with the um, 80-20 rule is you want the customer to leave with a positive experience, even if you don't sell them something. Right. Right. So if you connect them with a different company or a different person that brings the outcome they're looking for, they're still going to remember that. You know, and when the opportunity arises where you are the good fit for them, they're going to come to you most likely right. first to do a transaction with you because you were so helpful previously in getting the appropriate answer they were looking for. Right. And that should be seen as a win, even though you don't have dollar bills in your register. And and that's what that's what I think we're trying to say by a decision coach is you're listening to understand, understand what the problem is. And your job is to find the right solution for them, which might be you or might be somebody else. Right. I think it says a lot about, because I've had some instances where we sit down with somebody and it's, you know, hey, this isn't really the best fit. Mm-hmm. Right. Let me, let me have you talk to, you know, I have some people that I know that can help you in your situation much better. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so you're not wasting their time. You're not wasting your own time. Right. And I actually, you know, in, in that process, talking to clients, I actually use that that wording right there is, you know, Mr. And Mrs. Client, you know, thanks for taking your time out today. If at any point you feel like, you know, this isn't a good fit or anything like that, let me know because I definitely don't want to waste your time or my mm-hmm. time. Because mm-hmm. as we, you know, as I say at the beginning of every podcast, our time is the most valuable resource that we have. And if somebody feels like you wasted their time completely... That's the biggest turnoff that can exist. Right. So that might be step one in your sales process is to understand whether they're in the right place or not. And to direct them somewhere else is is still a win for you, even though it might not count in your sales quota. I'd say if we were delineating a sales process or bullet points is number one, why is the customer there? Why are they talking to you? Mm -hmm. Right. Because even if you're, you know, cold calling a list of prospects, right? If they decide to schedule a follow-up with you or have a conversation with you, there's a reason. Mm -hmm. So what are they looking for and what do they want to accomplish? I think that's definitely step number one in an effective sales process. Yeah, make sure they're in the right place. Right. And if you feel like this customer is in my 80%, not the 20%, but the 80%, and in the right place, then you can start talking 
in more detail about the problem, which of your products or services might be a good fit and why. Right. And really think a sub bullet of that or point number two even would be then letting them talk about their problem. Mm -hmm. Identifying what a viable solution for them might look like. Mm -hmm. Listening to understand. And then letting them talk about themselves. People, I mean, we as human beings love to talk about ourselves, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I was always told coming up with a sale, a healthy sales culture, hey, God gave you two ears and one mouth. Use them proportionally. Mm-hmm. Right? Again, listening to understand, not talking well, to if you, If you have products that are in the same category at different price points, you, you want to understand from the customer's perspective, is this a... They're just trying to get by. Give me, give me something that just works. I don't want to spend a lot of money because it's quality or the other items that your higher price point mm-hmm. services is not a big deal to them. They just, I just want to fix the problem beyond my way. Right. Okay. Let's find you, find you the cheapest or the least expensive one in our product lineup that gets the job done for you. Right. Yeah. I don't care whether it's, a decorative handle or not. I just need a handle that will allow me to open the door. All right, let's go over to this section. Right. Right. It's not going to be brass or gold or a high-end handle. It's just a functioning handle. And then, I mean, there's a reason that Honda's successful and there's a reason that Rolls-Royce is successful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. You have two completely different types of customers that are looking for two completely different things. Right. One is looking for luxury and top of the line. One's looking for a practical car to get them from point A to point B that's mm-hmm. at a reasonable price point. Mm-hmm. So if you had the option of both at the same dealership and you tried to sell Mr. Rolls-Royce a Honda Accord, probably not going to make that transaction right. and vice versa. Right. So if you don't ask the right questions, listen to understand... And have a culture that you're just worried about dollars. You're always going to send them to the high price end point. Your chances of success are going to go way down. Right. Because you're not listening. You're not asking the right questions. You're not right. listening to understand. And to that point, I think the the most effective salespeople ask the right questions, listen to understand. It's more about teaching your people to ask questions than tell. Right. Mm-hmm. Tell a story, ask questions that does, you know, even does that make sense? Right. Or, you know, would you say that that's true? Things like that, just getting them to, you know, agree with you, you know, after they've talked about themselves, of course, but through the process is the questions along the way is, is this making sense? Do you have any questions on this? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if this could happen for you, would that be exciting? Things like that. Because through those questions, you're getting them to, you know, see the process before it happens. And one of the biggest struggles for a lot of salespeople that I've seen is they run through a presentation or they run through a process and they're telling instead of asking questions. Mm -hmm. And they get to the end and there's been really no value built. It's just, here's the product features. Here, do you want it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's too expensive. Why is it too expensive? It's not too expensive. You can afford this. You know. 
there's no way that process is going to happen. Or the transaction, I should say. Yeah, what have we said multiple times in multiple episodes about? We as human beings want to be seen and heard. Right. If you're telling... What brings you in today, Mr. Customer? Oh, I need... Yeah, pick a product. I need this. Okay, let's walk over here and... Here, here's one for you. Buy this. Right. (laughs) May not even fit, fit their situation. It's just... Oh, you need this. I'm, I'm not asking questions, being curious, looking to understand, to get you the best fit, to generate the most value in our transaction of time here. Right. So to speak. When talking about building value through that process, um, you know, training salespeople because, you know, to our audience, you know, you might run a, again, a simplified sales process with lower end products that lower price point, I should say. You don't get really many objections. For example, the the grocery store objection or mm-hmm. the grocery store example, you don't get an objection over how much a can of beans cost in the grocery store. Right. <laughs> right. But if you're in auto sales, if you're in IT sales, if you're in, you know, higher dollar amount transactions, Right. You may get to the the end of that conversation to where you're asking for the money, because at some point you do have to ask for the money, mm-hmm. and you get well, it's too expensive. My favorite note on this is that money is only ever an issue in the absence of value. Say mm, more about that. So, what I mean by that now, in in some cases, right, you you meet with a client that it is really that your price points out of their budget. Right. Mm-hmm. There, there are true cases of that, right? Sure. But if it's realistic for them and they say, oh, money's an issue, it's just you did not build enough value, right? Because even if it was tight, they would if it generated the value that they needed to solve their problem mm-hmm. and they saw that this is going to be the best solution, they'll find a way to make it happen. Sure. Right? So... Asking those questions, listening to understand in order to, in order to build that value, because I like to put it this way, an effective sales professional is just a guide. You're effectively holding their hand in the process of understanding the product and them seeing how it can solve their issues, solve their needs and fix a problem. Well, by asking um, enough questions, you understand what research they may have done to that point already. Right. Right. They might already know. Well, I always like to question when somebody walks in a store or whatever, it says, what what brought you in today? It gives the customer the opportunity to tell their story. Right. I'm in this situation. I have this need. I've done this research. I'm here today because I think you have a product or a service that is highly rated, and particularly in the IT world today, that they may have found you on Google and see that you get four and a half stars out of five, you know, on a consistent basis. So they, they've done the research to understand that they have a, a low risk of having a bad experience with you. Right. Re- regardless if your product or service truly fits or not. Right. So th- these are opportunities for you to ask the questions to understand they've done a lot of research and therefore I don't have to sit here on my soapbox and give you the whole pitch. 
Right, because right, you've done the listening the... and go, oh, okay, this person's done a ton of research, so I don't need to do a hard sale per se or a long sale process here. It's more of they've got a few technical questions that I can answer for them and really zero in on the product that they need. Right. And also asking that research question is, you know, if you get one of the people that, you know, they read just nothing but the two bad reviews, mm-hmm. you know, they may still have read the others came in. And asking what research, well, I saw that this is an issue and you can really speak to that, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, I've run into that before. And when you acknowledge that, yes, I know that that's out there, but here's our solution to that. Here's why that may be not totally true or completely false. or And you can effectively speak to that instead of, you know, I've seen people in these situations get defensive or things like that. But remaining calm, asking questions of if this, then do you think that would be true or things like that? Again, even overcoming objections as a salesperson is asking questions to guide them to overcome that objection themselves. Mm-hmm. Make them feel like the decision was theirs. Right. Because they own it. I've heard this from multiple sales coaches, sales leaders, that if, if the end of, if it comes out of your mouth, it's opinion. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, I'd say definitely objective, right? It's it's an opinion, so it may or may not be true. But if it comes out of your client's mouth, it's fact. So if they say the right things, if you, you know, through guiding them to say the right things, if they say it, that's why you have to ask a lot of questions and get the responses because if they say it, it's true, and they're leading themselves to make the decision. Well, are you making them part of the process, and are, are you creating an environment where they feel like they have control over the situation? Right. Again, like you said, it ha- they have to feel like it's their decision, not your – people love to buy, people hate to be mm-hmm. sold. They don't right. want to feel sold. Well, they'd rather be educated. Right. Allowing them to make an informed decision, having a positive outcome and therefore a positive process or a positive emotional feeling about the whole thing. That's what you want them to walk away with, even if you didn't sell them something. Right. I mean, the your goal as a salesperson or your goal for your salespeople should be for the client to feel like they were taken care of, mm-hmm. not sold. Right. I wasn't. I was a decision coach for you. We we talked about it. We established a relationship. We talked our way through it. You felt like you were part of the process and you had a positive outcome out of it, feeling comfortable that you've got the right solution in your hand when you walk out right. to whatever problem or issue you were facing. So let's talk um, about process a little more. Okay. I usually like, like to use the analogy of a funnel. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the sales process where at the top of the funnel, you're using your marketing efforts to generate a lead. You know, so a lead is a, is a person who's been informed of your product and service and has established that they have an, a need for it. So it's the person that does walk through the door because they, they're aware somehow that you might have an offering. Right. You know, so they immediately get into the top of the sales funnel. And what you hope is that they drop out of the bottom where that exchange of currency for product or service happens, right? Right. So size of that sales funnel is dependent upon whether 
you have a complex process or not. Right. And so what kind of metrics are you establishing to look at? How many leads or opportunities go into the top of your funnel and how, how many actually drop out as sales? Right. So I just put it simply as this, know your numbers. Know your numbers. If you're in a the business with a commodity product, your your percentage is going to be lower than an area where you're in a niche, you know, where people don't have a lot of choices right. it's kind of like to back, go to, right? You're going back to have a much higher percentage. Versus, you know, being unique conversation, right? But knowing your numbers too, teaching the culture in your business, that sales process of, hey, with our industry, with an effective sales process out of... 10 prospects, here's, here's the results we can expect, historically speaking, because there's, there's data tracking, there's things like that. Mm -hmm. And you, you have know what the industry standards are. Right. Mm -hmm. You've got to have a sample in order to know what your numbers are. Right. Right. So right off the bat for a new, for a new company with a new sales process, you may be just running the industry's numbers, right. As a, or something benchmark. even less until you start building up some momentum in your, right. In your business. But I think having that sales process and I'm kind of use, using the viewpoint of establishing a sales system to bring people through, train them up effectively so that one, you can retain them because salespeople that make money stick around, mm -hmm. right? Which therefore saves the business money of retraining and time and effort. But, you know, not having effort miscalculation as well. Right. And what I mean by effort miscalculation through knowing your numbers is if you have a new salesperson that goes out and talks to 10 people and expects to have 10 sales, right? If their goal or their quota is 10 mm -hmm. and they go out and talk to 10, but really with your industry, only three out of 10 or two out of 10 historically become clients, mm -hmm. they're getting fired because they didn't meet their quota and they didn't really understand why. Right. Right. So definitely coaching on that, understanding as a business owner, business leader, sales leader, sales manager, you know, this goes down the line, teaching people that, hey, you've got to know your numbers. You need to know the work that you need to put in. How much you have to put through that funnel to get X out of the bottom. Right. And if the numbers, if the numbers don't work in terms of, what your industry averages and therefore how many leads need to pop into the top of your funnel versus how much money you need to make for your business to survive. It could be that you have to look at your sales process and say the top half of my process I need to automate because I can't hire enough people. I right. can't make my overall numbers work to take people through that whole sales process and have enough pop out of the bottom of the funnel. I could if I could automate the top half such that I only need X number of salespeople to deal with that bottom half. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I can make my overall numbers for my business work. Right. You know, because of the acceptable profit margins that exist in our industry and that kind of. But that's it's always a concern with a commodity product where you need, you're only going to have 10% of your customers pop out of the bottom because there's, you've got so many competitors in the marketplace you're not gonna have enough market share to make all the numbers work right but it's that's that's 
the biggest reason why you need to pay attention to what what is your process? What are your numbers? How much hand-holding do you need to do with a customer and therefore have human interaction to do it? I mean, with grocery stores, it is commodity products on the shelves, and that's why you only have people to help help you find what you need. And Because if you, if you wanted to staff, I mean, you're only going to get 10% of the sales and you need to staff mm-hmm. enough people. Through that process, you can never make the economics of a grocery store work. Right. Because there's so many choices for the consumer to find that product and sales. But in a more niche environment, you can generally afford to have a lot of salespeople in the process because of the profit levels and so forth involved because it is niche and there's not a lot of competition out there. You can do a lot more handholding through the entire process. Right. But the lesson out of this is pay attention to it. Understand your numbers and figure out if it's not working for you, where do you have an opportunity to get those percentage of positive outcomes through the process? Right. And I'd say have a culture through that sales process of revisiting and always have a culture of always learning, always getting better, right? Mm-hmm. Sitting down, and, you know, analyzing, okay, if we're not meeting the numbers that we should, if we don't have the conversion ratio that we expect or have had, what's going on? Is it our, is it our salespeople? Mm-hmm. Because if you have a team of ineffective salespeople that are pissing off your potential clients because they've wasted their time or they're mm-hmm. aggressive, right? Instead of helping lead clients to make a decision, they're trying to tell them to make a decision. You're not going to have the closing ratio. You're not going to have the conversion ratio. Or do you have the right training programs? Right. Does your salespeople have the tools they, they need to, to guide the customer through the process? Right. You, you got to understand where the failing point is in the process. Why, if I have 100 leads that are coming in, I'm only getting 10% out of the bottom, but I need 20%. Okay. Are you looking at each step in the sales process and figure out where that percentage, where do people pop out of that sales funnel? Right. They pop, pop out pretty high or is it pretty low? Where is it? And where's the breakdown in your sales process? So you can go concentrate in that area. And particularly if you're incurring a lot of cost. I mean, that was an issue for my business within Boeing. We did this kind of exercise. We're trying to understand where we spent because time was money. Right. It was a complex product and a complex situation where you had to get technical folks involved in the solution. And if they're spending a ton of ton of time with a customer t- to get to the point where you finally have a solution that you can get under contract. A lot of your profitability just may have gone out the window in the mm-hmm. sales process, you know. So we had to pay a lot of attention to where were we getting bogged down in our sales process and spending a lot of time to streamline it better and have a better chance of profitability in what we were doing. Right. I think that's like you said, super important with an industry with a longer sales cycle mm-hmm. because. In a commodity world, somebody doesn't buy, okay, you lost one customer, you lost a few minutes, right? But- Is it pricing? Right. If if it's a six-month sales cycle that could be $100,000 plus, you know, sometimes millions of dollars in industries, mm-hmm. transaction, 
that may be that, you know, company's, you know, quarterly expected income. It may be a massive loss to profitability. Mm -hmm. Not to mention the time wasting. Your grocery store, how many people do you need to walk through the doors in a week to make your numbers? Knowing that your average, I've done the research. If my average sale dollar-wise is X amount of dollars per customer in a week, then to make my numbers, I have to have Y number of customers come through that door. Right. And a lot of that has to do with my marketing and pricing and atmosphere of my store all contribute to how many people are going to walk through the door. So if I want to make more money, I have to look at, okay, I want, I think my average sale is going to stay fairly steady. Then I need more people coming into the door. Right. Or do I have an opportunity to up that average sale? You know, do I have a do I have a better play there as opposed to the number of people coming through my door where I'm gonna put put more impulsive bought things by the cash register to get that little uptick in my sale? Or am I gonna do some more sales, you know, temporary short period of time sales to get, you know, to provide for either impulse buying or whatever, go, oh, that product's on sale. Let me buy two of those. Yeah. Instead of the one that's going to up the average sale during the course of the week, right? It's that kind of anal- analysis that needs to mm-hmm. needs to be done to understand where you have issues in the sales process that you can tweak or change, and which will lead to more profitability in your business. I, I guess, in yeah. summary, there's multiple ways to skin skin the cat, as they say. And I so, mean, is it it's is dependent it more, on industry? Is it more about putting more leads or people in the top of the sales funnel or is there things when they're in the sales funnel that you can tweak to get more to drop out of the bottom of your funnel? I mean, an example of, you know, increasing ticket items, things like that. Back when I was in restaurant management, you know, we didn't call our people who attended the tables. Their actual title was not server. It was not waiter or waitress. Mm -hmm. It was a salesperson. Mm -hmm. And that was the culture because, the training, there was actually a sales process to serving a table, right? Because, you know, for a, for a salesperson in that industry, right? The higher the ticket, typically the higher their tip anyways, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the more money the restaurant makes. So it's a win-win on both sides. And there was a whole sales process with adding, you know, add-ons or toppings or an extra order of whatever, yeah, sometimes just making the suggestion. Right. Oh, yes, I'd like that. <laughs> you know? Right. Would you like some cinnamon raisin toast with those eggs? Right. Ooh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, okay. I'll take and, I'll take the cinnamon raisin toast. Whereas, you know, that w- that's a very simple sales process, but then on the other end, it's knowing, again, knowing your industry, knowing your numbers, it may be that, hey, you've got to have a more efficient sales cycle. Are you taking nine months where it should take six? Mm-hmm. Can you, can you fit in instead of 1.5 clients a year sales cycle per salesperson? Could you, could you create an efficiency in a better sales process? Because especially with higher ticket items, it's usually not just one salesperson. There's a whole team 
you know, on the technical side back, you know, the back office side and everything that's working on Or what it. is your competition doing? Maybe it right. takes you nine months, but it takes your competition only six. Right. So therefore they have a competitive advantage over you. Why is that? Right. You know, are you being quote introspective enough in your business to understand that? So things like you said, I mean, there, there's multiple ways to skin the cat depending on where your business is. What type of business you're in and where is your business, right? Are you in right. a complex or non-complex sales process? And and what are you doing? Right. Are you where where are you, where are your people popping out of your funnel? Right. Is it early in the process? Is it at the bottom? Where is it? And then why? Where and why? Yeah. Where and why? <laughs> yeah. Cause again, knowing why is the biggest thing because you can go back and change that because if you fix the why they won't pop out. If that makes well, sense. Well, you can't, you can't provide a solution until you identify the problem. Right. Right. And if you're not quote introspective enough in your business to understand in some cases document what your sales process is and then do the analysis to figure out or talking with your sales team to understand Okay, you only you only closed ten percent this month. Why? How many did you get into your funnel? If you didn't get a lot, well, you, now you know that's the issue. And is that mm -hmm. because of the salesperson? Is that because of the marketing? Is it because something the competition is doing? Why did we only get that many at the top of the funnel? Or you, in theory, had enough pop in the funnel, but I had eighty ninety percent of them popping out somewhere. In the process, okay, well, why did they pop out? Is it pricing? Is it be the salesperson and the way I approached the culture? Right. Is it, what is it? Well, I think there's two things to be said about that in identifying the why is as a sales leader, sales manager, looking at the process, but, you know, something I'm delving into is Jocko Willink's extreme ownership, right? Talking about leadership, things like that. Mm -hmm. Leader always takes responsibility. Yes. Right. So as a sales leader, sales manager, business owner, whatever your role may be, if you're managing or leading salespeople, if if we have an issue of people popping out of that funnel, what can I do to prevent that? Is it the training we're not providing? Right. Is it, I don't have a culture. We've talked about this in former leadership episodes. Do I have a culture to where my people can feel comfortable coming to me and saying, I'm not hitting my numbers can we talk about this? Right. Because I've worked for people where if I was struggling, I was afraid to go talk to them. Sure. Because they were just going to chop my head off. Well, it was because it was always about you. Right. You're not doing your job. Right. As opposed to maybe some other factors outside of the person that may be the issue. Right. And are you open to that as right. a leader? Now. Or a business owner? On the other hand, right, I'm going to almost contradict myself here, but for a reason, is as a salesperson- We've talked about self-leadership before, right? So an effective mm -hmm. salesperson has to have self-leadership. Yes. So the salesperson also at the same time taking responsibility for learning, for training and getting better. And we talked about this before we started recording was ego and fear. Yes. In a sales process, that crap's got to be gone. You got to drop it. <laughs> uh, it can be a major roadblock. Right. So... I think you, you know, 
owning the sales process, owning that and taking ownership for what the results are out of that sales process in order to be able to have a better sales culture, have a better sales process and have a better sales team. I mean, going to fear and ego, how much of of that are you taking on as I didn't make this sale, therefore it's a quote failure, unquote. And how much of that are you taking personally? Right. Therefore, I must be a failure. Right. Or are you saying, or do you have a growth mindset, right? Saying, okay, I missed this one. Where can I get better? Right. As well as understanding it is a sales process and my training comes into play. My my business owner or boss or leader is it providing the, the right culture, the right environment, the right training tools or the right tools, period. Right. Through the process, you know. I got bogged down at this piece here because I didn't have a tool to get this kind of answer mm-hmm. for the customer, and they were tired of waiting, so they bailed to another. That could be an issue. It had nothing to do with me. You know, I brought a lot to the table, but I hit a roadblock in the sales process that the business owner needs to take care of. Mm-hmm. You have to be open. Both the leader and, and the business owner, as well as those that are actually in sales, have to understand about that whole ecosystem and where do they contribute? Where do they add value Mm -hmm. to the whole process of getting a sale? And are you working together as a team to figure that all out? Or is it an autocratic thing? Like, no, I hired you as a salesperson. You got a quota and you got to figure out a way to make that happen. That's your problem, not mine. Right. That's not a culture you want to be in. I can see the gears turning in your head over there. Well, we could sit here and talk about this. I could ramble (laughs) on about this for four hours, but you know, we're, we're coming close to where we like to keep our time. Yep. And, um, you know, just, I guess I like, you know, I always like a little call to action or a challenge for our listeners. If, if this is really hitting with them Mm -hmm. is, you know, if you're struggling in these areas, be, be introspective, you know, be able to take off the ego, right? get rid of the fear, and really sometimes take, like we've talked about before, take a step back and look at what's really going on. Are you moving too fast to be able to do that? And how can you better that sales process? And guess what? If, if, if you come to a conclusion that I'm doing all I can with the resources that I have, you have resources, right? Reach out to us, ping us. Well, also an understanding that, yes, it's all about trying to bring in money or income into your business, but reality is from a sales process is you want a positive outcome for the customer. Right. That is the true end number one priority out of the end goal. And if you're doing that, then the end result or one of the outcomes of that is your is your revenue. Right. Because if that positive experience will always bring them back to you. Or making recommendations to friends, acquaintances, or their network to come in as well. Right. Even if you didn't make any money from them. So again, just have a sales culture that's focused on the best interest of the client. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, analyze that sale sales process and not just once, multiple times. Mm Because it's just like an engine. It's got to be tuned. It can get out of whack. It can get out of time. As well as the relationship from sales to your marketing efforts to make sure that your marketing is targeting your ideal customer set or your Mm -hmm. ideal demographics for your customers so that when they do come into the funnel, 
your chance of success increases because they're ideal customers. Right. For your culture, your product, your service, et cetera. You know, you, you could look at straight numbers and say, I got 100 customers that came in my funnel, but if only 20% of them are really your ideal customer, then you're wasting a lot of people's time as well as your own people's time. Right. And therefore, you have a very ineffective marketing effort. Mm-hmm. You're not spending your marketing dollars wisely. So you also have to understand that relationship as well. Right. And we're going to have a marketing specialist come in soon, do an episode with us. We'll talk about that relationship. So looking forward to that, definitely. So with that, I know this was a lot. We kind of got down some rabbit holes on sales for sure. Yeah, but, but it's important stuff. Yeah. It's important stuff. Important arms to the conversation, if you will. Because I know, I know from my client base that this is the number one issue that always comes up in our advisory groups and one-on-one coaching and so forth. And the biggest concern is always revenue, revenue, revenue. And so, therefore, it always leads to sales, sales, sales. What are we doing in this? Right. So, it's an important topic. Well, we appreciate you joining in today on this uh, important topic, sales. Hit that button. Spelled wrong, but follow that's spelled subscribe. Yeah, follow us on our journey of trying to generate value within the world and in your life and others. And you can do that by hitting that button that has the word subscribe on it, but it's really a follow button. We greatly appreciate your time. We hope you have a great week, a great day, that you're out there generating your value out in the world. And we will see you next time. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of the Generate Your Value podcast. If you find our conversations to be useful in your life, I invite you to subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss an episode. You can find me online on Instagram at The Fitzpreneur, Facebook, and LinkedIn. For information on my coaching services, if you're in the Atlanta area, go to www.generateyourvalue.com. You can also find me and my company on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply search for Generate Your Value on those platforms. Once again, thanks for joining us for today's podcast, and we invite you to generate your value in this world. Mm -hmm.